This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, 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 how we be and what it is, Foxborough family. We're back with another midweek edition of Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you, of course, by your friends at WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. You got your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens, and our Pats guy, Mr. Tiny Tower of Sour Power, the unbelievably positive and irrepressibly joyful himself, Andy Jumbo Hart. How you doing there, guy? I am tremendous because this has been a uh, great week that we will get to momentarily for those who are hopeful heading toward draft weekend in New England. Oh, my gosh. Dare I say a new hope has been discovered? Are we at episode four? Are we at that juncture in our intergalactic journey towards uh, relevance, competitive uh, excitement, and uh, as you like to say, competency, competence, competency, any which way you like to phrase it for your New England Patriots? Are we almost there? We are almost there. We have turned a corner in the, what do you like to refer to it? The lull or the lull, depending on yes. uh, which way you want to say it, that we are heading through April toward draft night. And I'm just going to jump right off with two things this week that I think if you're a Patriots fan should ignite excitement heading toward okay. draft night Thursday night, where we will be on the air, by the way, WEEI 6 to midnight with Rich Keith. I cannot wait. <laughs> Um, Hold on. Can we please get a sponsor that traffics in the eye? Oh, that's right. These guys will take you sick to midnight. Yes, we uh, we will be having fun, and I think Patriots fans should have fun with news uh, this week. First came from old pal of uh, WEEI. We've had him on a number of shows over the years. Jim Nagy, senior bowl uh, director, former Patriots mm -hmm. scout, who put out a tweet that I think ignited uh, a lot of talk in the pre-draft football world when he said, in his dealing, talking with teams, the media and fans have the wide receiver position more highly rated than teams themselves do. According to teams he's talked to, some only have one first-round wide receiver, and that is Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And yet we're seeing lots of mock drafts that have two, three, four first round wide receivers, some places, multiple first round wide receivers going in the top half of the draft. You and I have talked about it, Fitzy, guys like Quentin Johnston from TCU, obviously my guy, Zay Flowers from Boston College and uh, Jordan Addison from USC, all guys the Patriots have been involved with. But are you telling me that I might be able mm -hmm. to get Zay Flowers either much later in the first round or in the second round. And now I'm going to dovetail that with Mel Kuyper's mock draft that he posted this week on ESPN, two-round mock draft, in Go which on. the New England Patriots, with the 14th overall pick, select Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez. So let's marry these Ooh. two pieces of media together 
so I can get what I believe is the best cornerback in the draft. I know there's some debate with Witherspoon from Illinois or Gonzalez, who's better. I think Gonzalez is an elite, true cover cornerback with all the athleticism you need for a number one corner. You get him at 14. You push Jack Jones, post-suspension Jack Jones, to your number two cornerback slot. I think there's a chance you do that. You might have one of the best young cornerback duos in the National Football League. And then you're telling me I could get Zay Flowers later. Maybe I have to trade up in the second round. Hell, I'll even be aggressive, maybe trade into the back end of the first round. But if the New England Patriots leave the first two rounds of the NFL draft somehow, some way with Christian Gonzalez and Zay Flowers, I think you have upgraded immediately immediately at your two positions of need. And I think you may be drafting two superstar potential players. Fitzy, I'm the excited one. What thank you? Oh, Andy, I am just as excited, if not even more so, Guy. I cannot believe what a positive note we begin this week's Six Rings and Football Things podcast on because uh, as I wrote up twice this week at weei.com, once was a piece based off of the Jim Nagy tweet uh, which our pal, uh, and of course, we we thank him for guesting on the Fitzy and Hart show on Easter Sunday morning. Mike Giardi joined you for an excellent Pats chat. If you happen to have missed that, go back in the Six Rings feed and listen. Andy and uh, Mike chopped it up, as they like to say in the industry, for 25 solid minutes. A lot of interesting Hoyer, Mac Jones, and Bill Belichick talk there. Giardi pushed back a little bit on the Jim Nagy tweet, but I wrote up, same thing, Andy, that it's very exciting to think that the Patriots would have an opportunity to draft whoever they want in the first round at 14 or trade back a little bit, get some extra value, and then have the ammunition to, and this would be, I believe, the third year in a row they would trade, trade, nice job, Nick. Wade. Trade up in the second night, you're like that. Uh, but eat, but eat, but eat. That's a podcast, folks. They would trade up in the second round, which they did in 21 for Barmore, which they did in 22 for Tyquan Thornton. And now they could possibly, if one of their guys, like a Quentin Johnston, like a Zay Flowers, or even Jordan Addison, should he unbelievably slip in the second round, per Jim Nagy's hearings, that would be massive for them, Andy. But you have to also remember that one thing. What are other teams? It's not just about what value other scouts, coaches, and analysts see them at. It's what are other teams need. And you know just as well as I do that once a run begins on a position, like let's say some team is just all over JSN, which is much easier to say than Jackson Smith and Jigba. If people are all over him, tell someone grabs him at 12 or 11, that we're going to go 20 some odd spots without another receiver getting taken. The giants may absolutely be enamored with Zay flowers. Another team, some boards have Quentin Johnston as the top receiver. I can't see it happening. I say, we, I say we see three receivers taken and it would break my heart, break absolute freaking Andy Hart. If we saw Zay Flowers get invited to the first round of the draft and then he ends up Brady Quinning or Josh Rosening and sitting there all night long, not getting drafted, that would be a bummer. Now, if you want to go a little forward as to what the Patriots could do, if they miss out on these guys, I wrote up another piece for .com, possible day two targets, including the guy we mentioned last week, Andy, that everyone is freaking out about now. I have a feeling this guy's going to get overdrafted, Tank Dell. Uh, and then you throw some other names in there like Jalen Hyatt, uh, Cedric Tillman, also a boss receiver from Tennessee who was beset by injuries last year. And a guy who just popped onto my radar, thanks to our guy, Mike Dussault at Patriots.com. Uh, are you familiar with the work of Josh Downs, another twitchy oh, yeah. slot receiver with great collegiate production? 
Yeah, I think he's a poor man. Yeah, yeah. Poor man Zay Flowers. I love Josh Downs as my fallback. If I don't get my Zay Flowers, Josh Downs would be next um, on my wish list. I think he is a really good player. I don't think he has quite the upside um, of Zay Flowers. uh, But, yeah, big fan of Josh Downs. And I would say this. I want to defend um, Jim Nagy to to some degree, uh, let's say prematurely or in advance. If if a number of receivers go in the first round, I do want to fixate on the way he wrote it. I believe he said teams had only one receiver with a first-round grade, and we know oftentimes in this whole process, there aren't 32 first-round grades for teams. A lot of teams will have you know 22 players that they grade as first-round picks, and then obviously there's like a 10 gap there till they have second-round grades on people, and that's where you get guys like Bill Belichick trading out you know, of the first round from the 20s moving down because their grading system doesn't value a player at the spot where they're picking in the first round. But I'm with you. I don't actually think we're only going to see one wide receiver uh, drafted in the first round because the position has become so important in recent years and the value on it and getting a guy on a fifth-year option, getting that extra year who has transformational upside, you believe, to your offense, to your quarterback, whatever it may be. And that's why I would say with the Patriots having 11 picks and I think some of Belichick's best work over the years has been trading up, moving up a little bit in the second round, late in the first round. I I would love the idea of Christian Gonzalez at 14, which by the way, I'm not sure that's going to happen either. I think he's better than that. Um, I I think he could go uh, in the top 10, but let's just say Christian Gonzalez gets to 14. Then trade back up into the first. Like, I don't, I, I, they need elite players. They need guys with elite upside. So if you have to give up some capital, even future capital, if, if need be to get into, what are they at? 46. Zay Flowers is not making it to 46, yep. in my opinion. Even if he's 14, 46, 76, Andy. So go from 46 and throw in another pick for next year, whatever you need to do, get in the late 20s, find a way to get Zay Flowers if he's slipping down the board. Because I'm telling you, Rich Keith, get your puppet gift ready on draft weekend because draft night, draft Friday and Thursday, depending on how it all plays out, if it's Gonzalez and Flowers, the Patriots are back, baby, at least in my mind, for at least 48 hours. <laughs> We're going to have at least one nice evening with a slight <laughs> uh, two scoop of raisin Friday morning and into draft weekend once we get to day three and rounds four for seven for Jumbo, Keith, Fitzy, and company. Um, now, I saw the Patriots have had a, no, uh, a number of other top 30s, Andy, including um, offensive interior line from Texas Tech that is figuring to go in the top 10 as well. Look, and Devin Witherspoon, by the way, to your point, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, for all we know, could both go in the top 10 because some people may see Witherspoon as one and Gonzalez as 1A and want a premium cornerback because everyone needs the next J.C. Horn, Patrick Surgey in the second at all. Um but I did see the Pats were hosting my guy, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, Tyquan Thornton's body as a cornerback. Uh, now, they, a lot of people are projecting him in the middle of the second round. A lot of people are now also mocking Darnell Wright, the tackle that I liked to the Pats in the first round, seeing him as a perfect fit. I know Mike Reese spoke of him and Forbes, as well as Tank Dell in his Sunday notes column. Um would you be okay if the Pats got, I just want to ask the Pats fans at large, and of course you first, would you be okay if they got a tackle of the future 
and then a high quality, maybe not all star, but high quality, like a one B cornerback in the middle of the second round. Sure. If they get a, a, you know, pro bowl caliber player to kick things off. And I almost don't care about the position. I do a little bit, but um, let's just say right is the pick. He's the right man for the job in New England. Right on. I loved uh, the entire thread of you and everyone else dad joking your way through the Twitter replies. I love it. I of course, you know, I love it. And I know you are just having a Miller light of a time as well. And for those can't handle too bad. There's plenty of other feeds to follow. Now, Forbes is interesting. We've talked a lot about him because of his size. 166 pounds at six foot one is makes Tyquan Thornton look thick. Um, but he's a playmaker. Now, I have seen mock drafts where he is starting to get first round buzz, mid 20s buzz, 26, 27 buzz. And so that's interesting. But again, these are mocks. These are going to be wrong. So they will have some truth to them. Um, the quarterback position, first and foremost, is going to decide thing. I know Kuiper now has boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, four. Quarterback, 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 quarterback. Um, that changes everything because now you're pushing elite talents down the board, pass rushers, cornerbacks, wide receivers, tackles, running back, Bijan Robinson. So that that would be interesting if the quarterbacks go one to four. Um, and the other interesting part from the Patriots perspective is little rumblings. You know, they're visiting with top 10 picks. They're visiting with guys that aren't going to probably be there at 14. There's been that vague, oh, the Cardinals are willing to trade and some of the teams have been named, but others have not been. Is there a possibility, and I will promote this considering, again, we're hosting six hours of draft night radio. Is there a possibility that the Patriots are willing to trade up to get to top five, you know, somewhere in there? And if so, I don't know about you, how you feel about this. I can only envision and imagine that's for a quarterback. I can't imagine them trading up top five to get a cornerback or a pass rusher. I just... Am I wrong? I mean, do you think they would trade up top five to get anything other than a quarterback? Absolutely not. There's no receiver they love that much. There's no receiver that should go that high. I can't imagine there's a cornerback they love that much. Maybe if it was a defensive lineman or there were an offensive tackle, but I cannot see somebody going four or five and giving up that much draft equity. Like when you said earlier, and you have been banging on this drum for weeks now, Trading up means you need to get a blue chip player. You need to get a star. You need to get an impact player day one at a position of need. And if you get a quarterback now, you must be so in love with this guy that he is going to be a temperature changer, a franchise changer. He's going to be a momentum changer. And maybe one of them could be. But that Mac Jones, you are you now know you're going to get a petulant Mac Jones who's going to be playing the rest of this year basically on it, prove it so you can trade me and I can earn my money elsewhere. Now, maybe that'll be the ultimate motivator from Belichick, but that also may piss him off to, you may be playing a very risky game of poker. If you're going to draft an Anthony Richardson, sit him for the year, let him draft behind Mac Jones. Mac Jones knows, oh good, I'm on a lame duck contract and I'll be playing somewhere else next year. I it just, it's so risky when Bill Belichick is feeling I'm not going to say the heat, but the warm breath, if you will, of Robert Kraft near his neck saying like, Bill, I want playoffs this year. Do you really think trading up for a quarterback is going to give the Patriots their best chance at playoffs this year? I don't. I absolutely. In fact, I think it's most important that we, as I want to hit on this piece as well, Andy, you, uh, I just want to set this up and then please answer that uh, reply back. But I know you wrote for dot com. 
uh, and have been making note of the idea. Here we are getting into the playoffs. Some of the most important people in Boston sports now, your Tatums and Browns for the Celtics, your Allmarks and Bergerons and Pastas for the Bruins. Yet the most important person on the Boston sports landscape right now that isn't currently in the playoffs is the offensive coordinator who could likely be saving Mac Jones's career and saving the Patriots bacon as well in the form of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien could save uh, Bill Belichick's uh, aging reputation and Mac Jones' career all in one Ooh. season or off-season of work. And it's a challenge for him. Now, the, the Mac Jones part is obvious, right? He's a competent offensive coordinator. He's an expert. He has made Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson elite players in his scheme. They were already elite players and will probably always be elite players. But he's also found success with the Brian Hoyers and Brock Osweilers of the world. So we know he's an expert, the Mona Lisa Vita, in terms of quarterback and offensive coaching. But the other aspect of that, in light of the shopped Mac Jones trade report from Pro Football Talk and Tom Curran continuing to beat the drum on NBC Sports Boston and our airwaves about the relationship of of Bill Belichick and Mac Jones being fractured, tumultuous, broken. I don't know what the various words you want to use are. Bill O'Brien's trade at best. At, at best. And Bill O'Brien's now the middleman in that. He has to coach Mac Jones, but has to deal with Bill being there because we know Bill has a little bit of a helicopter parenting style on the practice field. He's bouncing all around and he could be right over Bill O'Brien's shoulder at any time. And maybe Mac does something he doesn't like. And he's like, blah, 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 and they start going at it. So he needs to manage the relationship, the personalities of Bill Belichick and Mac Jones, almost as much probably as he needs to scheme up an offense and, and give him a legitimate game plan each and every week that is going to put him in position to succeed. Cause I think the second part, well, that's what Bill O'Brien does. That, that's what he's going to do. Um, I have full confidence in that, but can he be, and oh, by the way, Bill O'Brien's nickname is the teapot. He's a guy that, you know, is not necessarily, you know, that calm, cool, collected mediator type. He can pop off at any moment. Is he the right guy to be the middleman between Mac Jones and Bill Belichick and their personality? You know who he is, and Andy? Their... It just occurred to me, Andy. I, I didn't want to let this drop because it just occurred to me. Bill O'Brien is basically the dad from a Christmas story who just happens to have a beautiful football mind. You know, hardworking, down-to-earth, old-fashioned, throwback-looking dude could go off at a moment's notice, for, you yep. know, colorful metaphors and four-letter words, flying fast and furious. But it's all in the name of love, taking care of the family, and getting the job done right. That's exactly, it's like, he really is the dad from A Christmas Story. And I, I do not disagree with you in the least, which doesn't necessarily make for the best podcast in Fitzy or broadcast. I understand. I think we can all agree right now that if you have, you know, you're, if you're doing your one to 90 most important Patriots, you might, or, you know, most talented people on the team, most important, et cetera, you might do a one a and be like, whatever players, number one. And then one a it's the most impetus is on bill O'Brien's shoulders. Like he's got to fix Mac. He's got to, like you said, restore some luster to bill, turn the offense around, help all these players who took huge confidence hits last year, like Devonte Parker, especially Kendrick Bourne, maybe Hunter Henry and others. And trust Adrian Clem and work in cooperation and sidestep uh, and lockstep, rather, excuse me, with him to get the offensive linebacking gear while folding in potentially up to 10 or 11 new players into the dough. That is a massive undertaking. I do not think he would back down from it at all. I think he is the right guy for it. I think he's totally up for the challenge. And won't that bolster his resume 
whether he stays in Foxborough or moves on to a second head coaching opportunity. If a year or two from now, it reads, got Patriots offense back in gear, got Belichick to the Shula mark, made Mac Jones a pro bowler again. Hell yeah, that would be friggin' awesome. Oh yeah, if he can uh, concoct a scheme and then kumbaya the relationship, he is going to be, and, and maybe he doesn't want to go anywhere. That's also my other theory. I, I don't know that he's not sold on staying in New England, staying in this area and being Gerard Mayo's offensive CEO, you know, president of the mm. offense moving mm. forward. But that's a different topic for a different podcast. Oh, entirely. Uh, but, you know, then again, you can say that your best laid plans are shacking up in Foxborough around the general area for the rest of your life. And next thing you know, you're signing a two year, four point five million dollar deal to be Jimmy Garoppolo's backup with the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, Brian Hoyer, the destroyer. Wherefore art thou? Folks, if you have any questions, you have comments, you got other drug related nuggets you would like us to address or fold into the dough and the batter of the six rings and football things podcast. Holler at your boys at Fitzy GFY at Jumbo Heart. And at Six Rings Pod, I highly recommend you check out Andy's pieces from the Sunday 7 to his Bill O'Brien tone poem. My pieces on the wide receivers in the first round. Some names you may want to get to know for the Patriots on days two and three at the wide receiver position and more. That's all available at WEI.com, where, of course, you can find and subscribe to Six Rings and Football Things. And now, Andy, uh-oh, the little red flag is up on the side of the podcast. That means it must be time for... Mailbag! <laughs> good job <laughs> right on cue my guy that's right it's mailbag time we put the calls out via the social medias you questions we have reasonably informed and sometimes half-assed answers we will give it our absolute best shot andy would you like to address it uh and begin today's mailbag on six rings from the book of face or the tweet machine let's go twitter all right you're up first Okay, I'm going to ask you one because I, I put all questions out there. I said it could be about draft or beer or draft beer. And therefore, somebody responded to the beer angle with a question that I think is solely for one Fitzy, who kind of mm -hmm. fancies himself a craft beer connoisseur. What are your favorite craft beer breweries from each New England state? And you can only count half of Connecticut. All right. I will begin in Massachusetts. My favorite, of course, my pal Dino, the biggest Pats fan I know, not named Fitzy, Hart, Keefe, uh, Silver Bullet, and beyond. Dino runs Vitamin C in Weymouth, Massachusetts. It's my favorite mm. in Mass. In Rhode Island, in Exeter, Rhode Island, probably not terribly far from you, about 20 minutes outside the greater uh, Providence area, Tilted Barn Brewing. Awesome brewery. A may of great IPAs, great sours, great lagers. They're, they're, um, summertime lager lawn boy it has andy hart written all over it i'll pick one up one time i'll give it to you you'll know. tell me you like it you won't give me a beer back in connecticut i will go with counterweight brewing uh excellent brewery again uh they they run the full gamut of goods if you're in the uh if you're in the new haven to hartford area somewhere in that southern middle of connecticut counterweight brewing will never steer you wrong in vermont i will go with I've never had a bad beer from the Alchemist. They make, of course, Hetty Topper. They make uh, your uh, everyone else loves Focal Banger more than Hetty Topper because uh, Hetty Topper was the OG in New Hampshire. I'm going to go with our friends at Twin Barns, uh, Twin Barns Brewing in Merrick, New Hampshire, by the Lakes area. Friends of the show, delicious beers, great people, great fans. And up in Maine, I will go with. 
you know what? I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with a definitive brewing. My pal, Mike Rankin runs a hell of a brewery up in Maine. Definitive brewing, great sours, good stouts, terrific IPAs, crushable beers. Uh, I think I've actually given one to you before, but there's my rankings right there. Tilted barn, counterweight, vitamin C, alchemist, twin barns, and definitive brewing. How about that? I like it. I have on the fly too. Didn't even prepare. All I had was vitamin C. The only one of those that I believe I have sampled and a big fan of vitamin C. They, uh, I still say the, the blueberry pancake breakfast beer or whatever it was called. Wasn't um, that good? Was one of the most remarkable things that I, very few times do I think those beers deliver. The name doesn't always marry up with what I taste. That one was Willy Wonka-esque in the uh, correctness of its name and what it tasted like. <laughs> All right, let's go to the, uh, and there's a million others as well. Anytime you're anywhere in a state and you don't want to use untapped or whatever, you can use, you can uh, just shoot me a message at FitzyGFY. I will never steer you wrong uh, wherever you happen to be for a good brewery because it is the golden age of craft brewing. Life is too short to drink crappy beer. Uh, okay, Andy, on Facebook, uh, let's see. We got Kenny Tasney. Who's got this question for us right now? All right. How confident do you guys still have? Kenny Tasney, do you guys still have hope Tyquan Thornton can develop into a good wide receiver? It's his second season, and boy, is he fast. But what's your, what's your, Andy, give me a zero to 10 confidence level, 10 being the most. Um, 5.5. Uh, I'm trying to stay That's optimistic. Be- All right. Um, and I'm trying to also rekindle and recall the way I felt coming um, out of training camp. And in August, I really liked what I saw from Tyquan Thornton on the practice field. If you recall, I was saying he was the best rookie receiver I could remember in camp in the preseason since Dion Branch. I thought he really showed route running ability, hand, and the he got hurt. And then I just never saw the guy in the season that I saw in the preseason. And so I'm hoping maybe there were residuals from the injury. I don't know the drops, the, he seems skittish crossing the middle. I don't know, you know, he's putting on weight. He's working hard. I'm hoping he can get back to the guy I saw last summer because I had hope for the guy I saw last summer. The one thing I will say is I never saw the freakish speed translate into Mm. freakish football speed on the field. I never saw Like Bethel Johnson, I've told you before, is always my measuring stick. He had an extra gear to go get the football to run by people down the field that was extraordinary. And he was not a good receiver, but he showed you that speed on occasion. I never really saw that from Tyquan Thornton very often on a football field. I would like to see more of that, but I am no, I'm not giving up hope on him. I think, you know, we also need to remember not only was he injured, but he was working within the dysfunction that was detailed by our friends, Karen Garrigan, and Andrew Callahan in the Boston Herald. And I can't like, there's no way you were going to get the best out of Tyquan Thornton based on everything that was going on with him, the offense, the injury. So uh, long winded way of saying it. I am maintaining some hope, but I am dubious. Uh, you just took me from a six to a 6.5 then actually with that final note, reminding me once again, it wasn't just the fact that he was beset by injury, losing six weeks to the clavicle fracture, but also the fact, how in the hell are you supposed to start out a rookie season as a promising speed burner, trying to identify a role on an offense that has no idea what the hell it is. You're, yep. you're veritably in the point scoring upside down in Patricia and judges reverse engineered offense. So I'll go 6.5. I have faith Bill O'Brien 
can get something out of this year. I love this question, Andy. This is right up your foot. This is such an SFT question. Tim Kirchois on Facebook says, given the amount of expiring contracts in 2024, guys, do you think the Patriots will draft for future need as opposed to current need? For example, I could see them targeting edge rusher or backer at 14 as a surprise because Uche and Bentley's deals are coming up. Hmm. Good one. That's a, that's a hard O guy right there. It's a great question. It's a question yep. we bandied about a bit on NBC Sports Boston when I was on their airwaves recently. And it's a great question because mm -hmm. it very much falls in line with Belichickian drafts of the past. He has been a year too early guy. I know the, the favorite example is Nate Solder. When Matt Light was still here for one more year, draft Nate Solder. He's the extra tackle, big tight end, and then boom, he's your starting left tackle. But they've done it a lot. And I do think some of it not only is to prepare for departures and holes, but also to add some leverage to negotiations. Like, we don't necessarily need you. We just drafted a pass rusher. So Josh Uche, if you want to be here and you want to take this offer, we'll make it all work, but we don't need you. We're not going to have this massive hole if you leave because we drafted this guy over here to be ready. The one thing I'll say to that is I think it was easier to do that Back in the day when you had Tom Brady, you had Rob Gronkowski, you were winning somewhere in the range of 11 to 14 games a year. It's easier to prepare for the future in that world than it is you've missed the playoffs two of the last three years with losing records, a fact that snuck up on Robert Kraft, but is the reality of his football team. And you have holes that need to be filled now. I'm not sure this team is good enough and talented enough to be thinking about future needs it needs to fill voids on the roster right now. And we know all the positions, cornerback, tackle, whatever, wide receiver. So I don't rule it out because Bill's done it a lot over the years, like Brian Branch. Would he take Brian Branch as the future of the safety position because Kyle Duggar, he's not going to pay him or one of the pass rushers. And so Uche can be let free. It, it's definitely a possibility, um, but I don't know that you're good enough to continue to live in that world. Could not agree more. Well said the, to the senator from the South Coast. All right, back to the Twitter. What do you got? So um, this is one that I think is becoming a, a popular discussion point because of the perceived depth of the tight end position. It actually marries in a little bit to what we just talked about, given the uncertain contract futures of Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry. But do you think it's a possibility that the Patriots under Bill O'Brien, who, yes, we know, had the famous two tight end set do you think tight end could be a draft target with this team maybe uh earlier rather than later and i i would say yes i think this is a team that in the top three rounds could consider the tight end position i did want to add i'm not as high on the tight end class as seemingly almost everybody else raving about it um i thought this was the the deepest the same way that last year receivers and a couple of years ago quarterbacks that this year it's all about the tight ends, the you know, Hargrove and Mayer and Kraft, uh, Kincaid. Like, it's a loaded field, but you're not as high on them? No, I'm not. I think there is upside to a lot of the guys, but there's a lot of projection. Like, Michael Mayer, right. to me, is the safest of the group, but I also don't think he's elite. I don't think he has explosive, offensive, altering talent. Um, he's yep. good. He's a two-way tight end. He's a good player. You know, you, you may get may get Hunter Henry out of him where you say, 
yeah, every year I'm going to pencil him in for 600 yards and eight touchdowns or something, Mm -hmm. but you're not getting Gronk in my opinion. Now there's some other guys, Musgrave, that I think have massive upside. Washington, massive with an emphasis on massive upside. Um, Kincaid, yes. I just, I don't know any of them that are sure things. And I also think we've seen in recent years, tight ends take a while to impact an, an NFL offense oftentimes. There's a developmental curve, whether it's Kyle Pitts, whether it's um, what's his name who got traded from the Lions to the uh, uh, TJ Hawkinson. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just there's a developmental curve. It's not like receiver where you come in and boom, you're an all pro, you're a pro bowler right out the gates. So I think that would play into my evaluation. But given the depth of the position and the lack of the depth of the position for the Patriots, I think a third slash fourth round pick would be very, very plausible. hundred percent. I don't see them using a first or a second round pick. Maybe if Belichick is in love with Darnell Washington, I believe the tight end from Georgia, who is an, the monster six foot eight, looks like a bookend left tackle for Trent Brown uh, or opposite. You know, looks like offensive tackle. The man is a mammoth, freakishly athletic. If he dips back to, as mentioned before, the freakishly athletic pool and wants to get someone that he can groom behind these guys this year. Okay. We all know Gasicki's a wide receiver in tight ends clothing. They do need a two way tight end because there's no guarantee Hunter Henry sticks around because there's no guarantee Mac Jones is on this team after this year as well. And since I'd almost bet they go wherever each other, wherever one another goes or sticks around wherever one another is, I absolutely do think tight end becomes a priority top three rounds i say they have if the patriots have escaped the third round without drafting a tight end of the future or someone they believe can be after whiffing not once but twice in 2020 on guys back then now that was supposed to be a very weak tight end class spoiler alert uh all the draft nicks and analysts who said that were correct uh the asiasi and keen experiment not work out but you got to jump back in i say within the top three rounds for sure andy this question actually comes from fcgy Hi, um, longtime member of the Six Ring Football community. Got a question for you. Do you think the Patriots were in on Jeff Okuda, the flamed out third overall pick from 2020 with the Detroit Lions, who was recently offloaded, if you will, dumped by the Detroit Lions. He's no longer on Team Grit. He is now a member of the Atlanta Falcons. Seems a reasonable price to pay for somebody who was once thought to be a lockdown corner of the future and perennial pro bowler, eh? It does. So I'm going to guess Matt Patricia did not sign off on that. Although, quite frankly, I have no idea if Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia even speak anymore. So maybe I'm uh, connecting dots that don't deserve to have a line between them. Um, Mm -hmm. I have no idea where Matt Patricia is these days and if he and Bill are on good terms or not. But um, it, it was interesting that a once talented, once well thought of cornerback went for a pittance of a price. Um, and the Patriots need at the very least depth. I'm not even saying you, you try to go get him to be your number one corner, but just add him to the rotation of cornerbacks. Um, also, can I throw in there? Mm-hmm. He's from Ohio state, correct? Jeff Okuda. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And they have Sean Wade who has failed to live up to once great hype from Ohio state. I just wonder, is there anything to that? Is there. Is there a um, scheme, coaching, fit, alter, you know, something about Ohio State corners that they've realized, uh oh, what we see at Ohio State is not necessarily what we're going to see in the NFL? Could that, I'm, and I'm just spitballing here. This is just something that popped into my head with the way Sean Wade has not been able to find a role for himself 
in the NFL with the Patriots, whatever. Um, oh, he's found yeah. a great role for himself. Somebody has to be a DNP. Yeah, but it's supposed someone to be... has. Uh, he's he's a regular and active. He's he's great at it. He is. He's he filled Joe on Williams. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Hey. Uh, any more from Twitter? I got one or two more from Facebook. Uh, I did. Let me find it. Uh, okay, there right, was one. The, here we go. Yep. What two moves could the Patriots do that you think would make them relevant next January? Oh, I would. You know me, I'm way in on wide receiver, one of the future. I would trade for, I would trade for Jerry Judy, and then I would draft a cornerback with my first overall pick. And then I would take a tackle after that because you've got enough serviceable bodies to just keep, if you will, loops of coal to throw in the fire, logs to throw on the fire, if you will, with Reef and Anderson, McDermott and Kajust. You'll find a way to just sort of plug up the middle. It won't be elite pass protection. It may not be elite run blocking. But another corner, absolutely. Now that you're probably going to lose Jalen Mills to safety for the season, and you know how much I love Jerry Judy. Those are the two moves to me will give them their best shot at relevance in jail. Let's say you jumbo. Uh, I only need one move, and I think it's the obvious one because it makes you relevant in January. I don't know that it ever makes you relevant in February. Uh, go get Lamar Jackson. I think this team's roster, Damn. all I hear is people yeah. saying, there's nobody that I fear on that offense. You'll fear the quarterback if Lamar Jackson's the quarterback, and he will make everybody, Ramondre Stevenson, Hunter Henry, better by extension of his own physical abilities. So... I'm not saying I would necessarily do it, give up the $230 million and multiple first-round picks, but if you do that, Ooh. you're absolutely relevant next January. And as I wrote up on the dot-com over the weekend when OBJ announced he was taking a one-year up to $18 million deal to the Ravens, do you think that is the hand tip that most of us believe it to be that Lamar is going to sign his non-exclusive franchise tender, play one more year in Baltimore, and have this be a true showcase season while possibly trying to get after the chip if it were just the contract and the money i would have said no because i thought odell got a ridiculous contract 15 million dollars guaranteed maybe able to get to 18 million for a guy who coming off yet another acl and quite honestly has not been consistently dominant for years and years and years but when you marry that up with oh, he and Lamar were yucking it up on FaceTime social media afterwards. That right there tells me, yeah, I think Lamar is going to be back in Baltimore. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think he's going to be back. He'll sign it. He'll take that money. And this will be his final year in Baltimore. I'm not sure if he'll be able to negotiate the same way Brady did. Like, you can't tag me next year. And that'll be the either we give him the bag and Beckham helps address their wide receiver issues because they were beyond desperate in Baltimore. Whether or not Lamar stays in Baltimore or goes elsewhere, I think you'll see enough. You'll see this game come to him quickly. I think he moves on after the season. Beckham gets a bag and a half. I can't believe that. But see, that's again, this is what happens in the draft. When certain teams have certain needs and are desperate, they're willing to overpay, overdraft, trade up, and blow up the Jim Nagy's of the world's draft charts. Uh, and analysis. Let's go with the last one, Andy. Uh, here we go. Michael Peter, do you think Bill Belichick has lost his mojo? Yes. He used to be the guy who cuts talent before their decline, yet he has kids in high positions on his coaching staff. If his kids wouldn't be hired by the other 31 teams, the Pats shouldn't as well. Yikes. I cannot believe we consistently and still we live in a world, Andy, 
where people have lost their faith in the almighty hooded one. Yeah, no, I, I think he's lost his mojo. I don't think it's his fault. I think he's 71 years old this coming weekend, basically. Um, he's not as good as he once was. And part of that, yes, is Tom Brady. But part of it is he's an older man. And I think he, I don't know, has had to say things and then walk them back. You know, the last 25 years, he's, you know, people forget. This was reminded to me the other day um, of the wrong Brian text that started the uh, Brian Flores lawsuit. Like, the iPhone grandpa thumbs last year. Yeah. Like he, it, it's not his fault. It's age. It catches up with all of us. Father time is undefeated. Whatever cliche you want to use. I do not think he's as good as he once was. He used to be an artist, in my opinion. He, he was not a coaching scientist. He was an artist. He went with his gut. He doesn't call timeout. He like certain things. And the artist has lost his way a little bit. And I don't, I mean this not as a, really a critique, as just an observation, just a fact of life. But to me, there's just, and certainly the decision to go with his guys last spring is the worst decision he's ever made. So in the last, in less than a year, he made the worst decision he's ever made, making Matt Patricia and Joe Judge run the offense. And then he said the dumbest thing he's ever said, in my opinion, in his 20 plus years in New England, when he said the last 25 years. So the frequency with which he's making errors leads me to believe, yeah, he's lost his mojo a little bit. Wow. And we began on such a positive note. And yet still there he is with one toe over the edge. I understand it's a fair it's a fair point to a degree. And that I still believe in Bill. But most importantly, which Bill is it? Is it Bill Belichick or, as Andy pointed out, and root for WI.com, is it Bill O'Brien? I believe Bill Belichick returns to Formish thanks to actually farming out and trusting some true football minds and voices in the right positions this year. But we shall see. Folks, we are just two weeks away from the 2023 NFL draft. Do not forget that the Rich Keefe Show will be having a draft of Palooza, or as we're calling it, the 6 to Midnight Draft Party. Me, Jumbo, Keefe, who knows, maybe a cast of thousands. We'll have some extra guests chiming in on the show uh it's going to be an absolute blast we'll have lots more six rings and football things podcast brian baldinger is going to join us in the coming weeks to help break down the draft as well andy and shine will have some more six rings and prospect things breaking down whatever other positions have not been addressed up to date so we've got you covered from tip to tail port to stern to starboard to whatever other nautical terms can be i don't know i just was yeah, all right it's time to end the podcast for my yes. pal andy jumbo hart at Jumbo Hart for our producer, Justin Turpin. For everyone at WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports, this is pal Nick Fitzy Steve. Thank you guys for the questions. Thank you for listening. And thank you for making Six Rings and Football Things part of your daily and weekly Patriots regiment. Good day. God bless. And go Celtics, go Bruins, and go Pats.